This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as well. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing all right, man. Just uh, dealing with this fallout from the latest Woj bomb. Yeah, big deal. Another guy in the front court here. We got Tyler Lydon. He was the 24th pick in the 2017 draft. And there's not much of a sample to see what this guy has done in the NBA. He played 25 games for Denver last year. Sure, 40% from beyond the arc, but there were only 10 total attempts. He made 4 of 10. So good for him, but we don't know quite what we're getting from him. Did you have any previous knowledge or anything you knew on Tyler Lydon before this? I knew that he was a first round pick and I knew that he wasn't really working out very well. Um, yeah, I saw someone on Twitter say he's only played 96 games in the NBA. And then I double checked that and it's actually 96 minutes that he's played in the <laughs> NBA. So, um, yeah, not a lot to draw on here. But like you said, the 40% from three on a completely irrelevant sample size. But uh, if you track that back to college, he actually hit exactly 40% of his threes on uh, a much bigger snap size. He, hit, he shot about 250 three-pointers in Syracuse. And, yeah, I mean, 40% on that is promising. Also had uh, 80% from the free throw line. So, you know, definitely a guy that has been able to shoot, at least in the past. And hopefully uh, hopefully he can still shoot it. And, and I think – I. This is my personal guess is that they saw Wenyan Gabriel, who plays a similar role, probably a power forward in the NBA. And he had a nice stroke from three in the summer league, but he shot only 50% from the free throw line. So there is an issue there. Yeah. And, you know, Tyler Lydon, from what I can tell, almost reminds me of how you've been saying you can never have too many players like Bielitsa, really, that it's just a stretch for. And you don't know how much he's going to contribute. I mean, it's a two year minimum contract. Second year is non-guaranteed, but just having someone that can space from that fl- that four, um, it, it would be, that's a useful skill to have, you know, and still be able to bang with the opposing four. But like I said, not sure how much you really see him this year. Yeah, we talked about Gabriel as being a guy that um, might be able to take Bielitsa's spot when his contract is up and he is on a, a non-guaranteed contract. Uh, in the 2020 season. So maybe they're looking at that as kind of a goal to say, you know, by the end of this year, Bielitsa may not be a part of our plans. So we want one of these younger guys to step up and, and Leiden could be a shot in the dark at that. And um, yeah, I'm not mad at it. I think that we both pre- would have preferred to see a wing because there's only two NBA quality shooting guards on this team and only two NBA quality small forwards. Uh, you know, they've got Justin James, they've got Kyle Guy, but uh, not a ton of depth there. Yeah, but this is probably going to be the very last move you see from Sacramento. I mean, this puts the roster at 18 if you're counting the two two-way players in Gabriel and Guy, also including a non-guaranteed BJ Johnson, Swanigan's part of that, uh, the new Justin James contract. So this looks like this is going to be the uh, the final move for Sacramento, and this is the roster that we're going to be heading into next year with. I will say that there is a chance that that's not quite the last move because so 
the the deal is that you can carry up to 20 players on your roster until the day before the regular season begins. So I I think that I I threw a tweet out there about this, but I think that Caleb Swanigan has not done a great job to prove that he's worth keeping on the roster. So if the Kings do feel like they can move on from him, uh, there may be a situation where, you know, there's no rule against having more than 15 guaranteed salaries on the roster during the summer. So they could bring, you know, Corey Brewer or whatever wing that they want in, give them the guaranteed vet minimum. And then, uh, you know, they can go through training camp, go through preseason and then make that cut uh, up until the day before the regular season starts, whether it's Swanigan or, or whoever. Yeah, that makes sense. Swanigan has not played great in the summer league. Um, he didn't do much for us last year either. And Tyler Lydon, he's also 23 years old. He would be someone that uh, you wouldn't be surprised necessarily seeing summer league. He was not there this year. Um, but today we do have a guest on that was just at summer league. We've referred to him multiple times. He's kind of our Mavericks insider a little bit here. And that's Brian of the Blue Hardwood podcast. Um, how you doing, Brian? Good, man. Uh, thanks for having me. You are my favorite, uh, you know, Kings people to interact with. Uh, so I appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to talking summer league. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on here, man. And I guess just to start, what was the whole vibe of being in Vegas? I mean, we've heard great things, but is it just everywhere you're going and you're running into different people that are there for summer league or yeah, I, I mean, people that are part of summer league? Well, I think it just depends on where you're going, Brendan, because, you know, obviously, you know, throughout just Vegas in general, you're going to run into anybody, really, like whether it be a player, coach, sometimes a general manager, they all just kind of walk among you. It's funny, as I was leaving, I didn't even realize that apparently Montrez Harrell was staying in the same hotel I was. I was like, oh, dang, because I saw him like walk <laughs> past me and my wife was like, oh, my God, you should go talk to him. And I was like, uh, no, I'd rather not just beat him down because I'm sure he gets that on a daily basis. So uh, that was, you know, I guess a cool thing, uh, you know, when you're kind of in the concourse or even at summer league in general you'll have, you know, coaches just kind of walk in the sands. Uh, you know, Rick Harlow walked up through the sands to, to get to the uh, bench of the Mavericks. I was like, oh, okay. I thought that was kind of <laughs> odd just because they, you know, they have their own pathway to, you know, get to the bench and everything. So that was obviously pretty unique. And then obviously you'll have, you know, writers, uh, you know, the me- members of the media. You know, I saw Shams kind of wandering around a couple of times uh, throughout my stay at Summer League. But uh, yeah, man, it's like you'll pretty much run into anybody and any- anybody pretty much. I saw that you got to talk to Tim Cato briefly on your podcast. Uh, that's pretty cool. I know that he, um, you know, he's probably one of the most respected writers in Dallas and, uh, to grab him on the podcast, that's, that's a pretty cool get. Tim. Yeah. I'd been trying to collaborate something with Tim for quite a while. Unfortunately during uh, the Maverick season, we couldn't, uh, meet our, you know, our schedules couldn't line up and he's, uh, you know, first of all, just a great guy in general. I mean, uh, He's his work on athletics is awesome, but just being having the opportunity to interact with him, like even through Twitter, like he's very friendly, very like happy to answer any questions that you have. And just the fact that he took like, you know, 10 minutes to just talk to me, which I'm just like, you know, just a fan doing a Mavericks podcast was really, really cool. Like, I'm so glad I just got to, you know, speak to him a little bit more. And then within just kind of the craziness of Summer League, it's, I, told my wife that, you know, Summer League's kind of like the Comic-Con for basketball, just junkies in general, because, like, you get all this basketball, but then it's, like, at the same time, it's about networking as well. So just having the opportunity to meet all these new people that do, like, work with different teams and do different things is, was a really cool opportunity. And if we're talking uh, in regards to the Kings that were there, did you manage to catch any of the Sacramento Kings games while, while you were uh, in Vegas? I did. I did. I saw the Kings game versus China. And I got to say, man, I'm for the NBA having just like these overseas teams a part of Summer League. Because one, it's like more competition, number one. But two, to be able to see all these different fan bases come out and support these teams, it's really fun. Uh, Because when I saw 
China versus Sacramento. It was in the a smaller uh, gym, which is the Cox Pavilion. And man, there was a lot of uh, those China fans showed out quite a bit. I, I'm not sure if you guys saw any of that, but uh, they, they were loud and proud, which was really cool. And then uh, you know, obviously seeing Kyle Guy, and uh, you know, it was really really fun. Uh, I I felt like he was pretty much as advertised, you know, better than advertised. Really, uh, very smooth passer, jump shot looked really good. Uh, and then, other than seeing the Kings in the China game, I saw the the very hard fought when the Kings had versus uh, Dallas. I believe this would have been on a, I want to say Monday. I that sounds about right, where the Kings barely squeaked out. It was a shooting contest where uh, campaign went just bonkers, and then uh, it was the campaign Kyle Guy and then uh, Doyle, who like looks like kind of a clone of Tony Delk, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, Gabriel obviously had some uh, points and points and rebounds in there. But, yeah, uh, Kings look good. I know they obviously didn't make it to the, uh, I guess, the, the championship round of the Summer League. But, yeah, they were uh, really fun to watch. Yeah, that was really cool um, seeing China and bringing that international. Uh, those international teams, like, really bring something special to the, the tournament there to me but yeah we we are not gonna really retread um our thoughts on probably the top three guys we definitely have covered um our personal thoughts on kyle guy and justin james and wenyan gabriel but yeah against the mavericks that was a really really fun game campaign was absolutely like just insane on fire at the end of that game just taking like 30 footers and and he was just screaming at people uh, but yeah, I, that was one where Milton Doyle definitely turned some heads and I saw people like he started getting a little bit of a buzz on King's Twitter. He impressed me quite a bit there. Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. I mean, throughout the rest of Summer League as well, I think that we can get into a bit of the other guys. Um, like, like you said, I mean, we've touched on the top three from Sacramento. Uh, throughout the rest of the league, Brian, I mean, there were a lot of interesting different players there. I know there were a lot of complications this year of all these trades that happened that weren't finalized until the sixth. So certain guys weren't playing for certain teams. Uh, but were there other standouts that were entertaining to you? I think before we went on, you mentioned Tyler Hero. He's been having a beast of a summer league. Um, is there anybody else that really stood out? Man, Brandon Clark, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a problem in this league, man. Like, as um, I'm still in shock on how far he fell in the draft. I'm not really sure to this day why. Um, yeah, from everything I read about him, he seemed like a pretty solid prospect. Like just the fact that he just fell and the Grizzlies pretty much stole him uh, in the lower, lower twenties. Um, you know, Brendan, we were doing kind of like a, a live cut, you know, our own opinions as the draft was going on and we were trying to figure out what was going on, but man, that guy can move around. He's very fluid as far as like within like going to the rim uh, he's just aggressive, and every, I guess a lot of people thought his jumper was not going to be like that smooth going into like an NBA type of game. He's pretty much done anything, like in everything. People like criticized him, like as far as like I guess his combine work or anything like that. He's been really fun, and paired with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. moving forward, they're going to be a problem. No doubt, I saw. I saw him mocked in the top five in a couple draft yeah. boards, uh, Brennan Clark, that is. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely worried about the Grizzlies because they're just doing all the things that, that a rebuilding team is supposed to do. Um, they're not accumulating the number of picks that 
for instance, Oklahoma City is because they're not selling off superstars, but they're just they're doing this like slow and methodically, and they're a team that I feel like is going to really be on the Kings' radar in a couple of years in terms of fighting for a playoff spot. But yeah, um, I think you mentioned Tyler Hero, and he's a guy that I got to see here in Sacramento. Uh, and he wasn't really lighting it up in the California Classic. Uh, he was he was okay, you know, he was nice, but struggled with shooting. And then in Las Vegas, he definitely picked it up. Uh, I think that he averaged. Let me just double check here. Yeah, about twenty points per game on forty two percent shooting, four rebounds, four assists. Uh, what did you you want to get into him a little bit more? Well. I think with Hero, I was going to say, Rich, something, and you may have saw him before he went to Vegas. I think, I don't want to say, like, this could have been something in his head, but there was kind of, like, speculation, like, hey, like, for a while, Tyler Hero didn't even sign his rookie deal until, like, a couple days ago. So maybe at first that could have been in his head because he didn't really know if he was going to be on the move anywhere. Like, uh, you know, obviously there was speculation around OKC, but I don't know if he decided just to, you know, put that aside or if he had a conversation with Spolstra or somebody within the front office, whether it be Pat Riley or something like that. But once he got his, I guess, his sea legs settled in summer league, you could tell he was a lot more comfortable like his cuts were to the basket were, you know, awesome. And, uh, you know, obviously him bombing threes was very, very fun to watch. And, you know, uh, the heat obviously had a lot of different guards on, on their squad, uh, overall. But yeah, I, I want to say like that could have been a part of him, like maybe struggling at first, but like obviously, you know, now that he's signed officially with the heat and most likely he's staying there, I feel like he can like fully, like commit himself and be like comfortable in that situation. You know, one player that's really interesting to me that I've seen a lot of hype around, and I think that Sacramento has owed some credit for this, is Afrony Simmons. I think I'm saying his first name right there, or Simons. Actually, it is on Portland, and he's there. He, he's there. He's a point guard on the team. I mean, he's played well in three games. He's got 22 points and a little upwards of four boards, one and a half assists, a little more than that. Um, is it just me, or does it seem like he has gotten a little bit hyped, overhyped, because of what he was able to do in Sacramento against Sacramento in game in game eighty two? Yeah, a little bit. I feel like I I saw at least I saw Portland once, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, okay. I I didn't really feel like I left in it like seeing ooh ah like I want. I didn't feel like I had to like go back and watch Portland just to go see him again. Uh, you know, I kind of felt like he was just like, you know, just a guy there pretty much. But yeah, I feel like that performance could have like put him on the hype train just, just, just a little bit. Yeah. It's always funny when you hear his name, because I don't think he's really played much at all, but he does have an interesting hype around him. I know that, uh, on one of Zach Lowe's podcasts, he mentioned, he said, there's this guy, Simons, who, I have never really watched play, but I've heard he's really good. Like that's, that's his, that's like his territory right there. But, um, it, you know, switching to maybe some more hyped players. Uh, I wonder if what you can tell us, if you caught any Pelicans games, obviously they are loaded with prospects right now. That first game against the Knicks may have been a rare summer league sellout. So I don't know if you even were, would be able to get in the door there, but uh, obviously, Nikhil uh, Alexander Walker has been crushing it, and and I think, like you mentioned, Jackson Hayes may have not been able to play right away. But did you get to see any of of Pelicans action? I did not, unfortunately. And then I, you guys touched base on it on top of the show. I really wish the league does something about that stupid trade thing where something can't be official official until like the six. That just like jacked up a lot of like potential where you could have like seen somebody but then they weren't available uh until like a certain time it was just really it was really silly i mean obviously you know as we're talking right now with the pelicans and grizzlies are in the semifinals of the summer league uh 
you know, very unfortunate what happened to Zion. That sucks because he played pretty much, I think it was like 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, that was actually, I believe, the same game where they had uh, the earthquake yeah. uh, during the game. And it was funny because I had gotten like about four or five texts from people asking if I was okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, you know, just at my house. So I unfortunately was not there the evening now, but, you know, just the fact that they pretty much, uh, canceled the game and then the next day they had to like do kind of like an uh you know an overview of the building just to make sure there was no structural damage was pretty pretty insane but yeah it was pretty pretty wild um but just the fact that you know zion was able to essentially i don't want to say he by himself sold out summer league the first two days like which is i don't know like how often that actually occurs but uh, you know, he was obviously the main reason by it. And then, you know, uh, Hayes wasn't in any, I don't think he even played officially for the Pelicans until like the six or seven. So, uh, I, you know, I would have been awesome to see that first 10 minutes of Zion, but you know, some of the other teams, uh, along with Sacramento and Dallas that are kind of near that fighting for a playoff spot in the West, uh, San Antonio is one of them. I know they, they got Lonnie Walker who, Almost seems like he's this too athletic for summer league, but obviously there's a different level of athletes in the NBA. Uh, did you manage to catch any Spurs or even Timberwolves are kind of in there as well? I know they have a Kogi and Bates Diop are interesting also. Yeah, I saw, saw a little Minnesota. Fortunately, didn't catch Culver. Um, both times he didn't play. Uh, a Kogi. Uh, is he a little bit too good for summer league? Eh, I mean, I guess you could say that, but then, you know, there was a lot of players without summer you know another example as far as maybe a guy that shouldn't be at summer league but still needs work you know you look at a guy like jared allen i mean um is he probably a little bit too good to be in the summer league yeah probably but then you know he was put there for a purpose uh to number one put on weight and then you know practice that uh three-point shot a little bit so if there's like a purpose for them to be there, then obviously it could still be executed properly. So, um, but as far as any, you know, Minnesota, you know, I saw, saw them a little bit. Uh, another team that I was really actually intrigued by, I know that, you know, we're obviously um, Western Conference based, but uh, I was really excited to see Boston actually. They were probably one of my favorite teams throughout Summer League in general. Um, you know, obviously the, the big, big news of uh, Taco Fall on the Celtics, man, like, I don't, I've never seen more, like, uh, obviously, like, it's summer league, but man, anytime that guy was in, near the ball, crowd was going nuts, like, and being there live, I, you know, I was behind the bench on one of the games, and God, man, I, he's such a very, very large, just human, just so, so big, <laughs> so big, um, and he seemed like a really nice guy too. I mean, I heard like heard him like talking, stopping and doing autographs all the time for fans. Seemed like a you know really nice kid. And um, Carson Edwards, really really fun to watch. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a bomber. And uh, Grant Williams, probably one of my favorite players. I think uh, just because he's almost like a tweener. Because I don't really know what his true position is. It's like he's almost too big for a, like a, a like a three, but he's almost like not big enough for a four. So he's kind of just like that tweener. But man, that guy has this like kind of like an old school game. He has a nose for the ball, and uh, he manages to mix in a three pointer here and there. Uh, that was really fun. And did you guys happen to see the? Uh, God, I'm I'm already forgetting his name, but the Boston Celtics player that was shooting uh, foul shots uh, underhanded. Oh gosh, yeah, it's like a Onakiki or something. He was on Houston last year. Yes, that was probably the coolest thing I think I saw live in <laughs> summer league. Yeah, I think it's Onawaku. Yeah, Onawaku. There you go. Uh, yeah, um, that was pretty cool. I think that everyone should shoot like that. There, there's been studies that show that that just works better, but. Um, yeah, fair enough. I think that uh, Fall is a guy that Sacramento was pretty enamored with. Or I'm not—I don't mean the team, but I mean the city. I think that a lot of fans really wanted Taco Fall with the 60th pick for whatever reason. I, I mean, I guess we we see the reason. Uh, he would just be a lot of fun to have on the roster. But uh, I agree that I liked a lot of what I saw from the Celtics and Carson Edwards. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll put this question to. To you, Brendan, 
Um, as a residence Celtics fan, are you, and sorry that I always blast you for that, <laughs> but I'll never stop. Uh, would you rather have, this is going to be a very hard question to answer, but would you rather have Carson Edwards for uh, just south of a million dollars or Kerry Rozier for 20 million backing up uh, Kemba Walker? <laughs> Did you say this was a hard question? This is, everybody knows the answer. I'm picking Carson Edwards. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just trying to jokingly make the point that they may already have a better backup point guard. Uh, and Which is crazy. Don't need to, you know, pay him. 60 million dollars yeah yeah i'm totally for it the the Celtics team was super fun like you mentioned i mean taco fall was kind of a show grant williams smart carson edwards uh we didn't see langford there was uh tremont waters who uh sadly his dad just passed away two three days ago and then he just suited up yesterday and played and he's a pest on defense um that team was pretty fun The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Brian, is, and Rich, your opinion on this too, next year they're going to have the challenge rule in the NBA. And they'd been testing in the G League. They did it in Summer League this year. Uh, were any of the games that that you were at, uh, did any of them use their challenge rule? Yeah, I feel like the Mavs and Rockets game, it was used uh, once. And then I feel like I saw it another time at watching oh, Chicago and Minnesota. It wasn't really that big of a bog down as far as the game. Obviously, you know, Summer League's a little, you know, it's a different kind of animal as opposed to a reg- NBA regular season game. But in theory, I feel like it could definitely, help now i'm still kind of confused on what can like what can qualify a challenge like can you challenge a foul call can you challenge like whether a guy was fouled it's like very i'm not really 100 percent sure on how and when it can go down but i mean it seemed like a very smooth transition like throughout summer luke for sure i think they can challenge um fouls and i know they can challenge out of bounds calls so I, I think it's probably a lot of possession-based stuff. And I personally, it, it kind of bums me out. I, like, I don't know. I, I think that there's probably a scenario where they can incorporate uh, the replay stuff and incorporate technology into making play calls and foul calls more efficient. But I always feel like the path of progress is really bumpy. So... This first year, I feel like there's going to be some definite, definitely some stories uh, going around about how oh they totally blew this play, and that's the that's the problem with this stuff is that I don't know that it really gets more accurate right away. There'll probably be a couple that you know that are important near the end of the game, especially closer towards the playoffs, and certainly in the postseason, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's just going to be times when a challenge flag is called and they're going to go review it and still get it wrong. Yeah. So my understanding is that you can't use it in the last two minutes, right? That that they pretty much everything that they would automatically review once you reach two minutes is what you're able to challenge. And the way that I thought that that would be useful since you're not using it at the end of games is in the middle of a big run, obviously, you know, basketball is a game of runs. If the, uh, if, uh, you happen to be going on, say it's a 9-0 run quickly and then there's a possession switch and you think that it shouldn't have been called the way it was, that that would be a good time to use it since you're not able to use it at the end. Um, but like you're saying, I, I don't know how big of an impact this is going to have. And I think it also has a, uh, a timeout thing that's similar to, to the NFL where you have to call a timeout in order to call your challenge. And if the challenge gets overturned, then you get your timeout back. But if it's not overturned, then you just lose the timeout. Is that the understanding you guys have too? I think so. Yeah, that's what, that's my understanding. And 
when you talk about it in comparison to the NFL, that also bums me out just because I, I really don't like the NFL anymore. It's all the, you know, all the, the penalty reviews, all the, what's a catch, what's not a catch. Like that really slows the game down and really makes it boring for me. And it's hard for me to enjoy football, uh, the NFL at least anymore. And that's my personal. Hang up, but I just when I hear it's getting more like the NFL, that just I want I want yeah. the NBA to be like leading the way in its own direction, and I'm not like upset about this rule change, but I'm also just not really fired up about it either. Yeah, and I think if we if we move back to summer league a little bit here, you mentioned that you saw Chicago. There's Kobe White. Um, is there? A, himself or any other lottery picks that stood out to you um i don't know if you got a chance to see maybe rj barrett or uh i don't know what other lottery picks necessarily played a lot of them sat out but did you manage to catch any of them man i really feel bad for rj barrett because he got like so much slack (laughs) during summer league because he really did not play well i mean i don't know if he tried to like Perhaps, you know, he tried to, like, over, like, push himself or what it was. He obviously did not play very, very well at all. Um, I saw the uh, Gonzaga kid, uh, Brendan, I'm having a uh, lab oh, right now. Oh, really? Uh, Hachimura? Yeah, Hachimura. I saw him out of Washington. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't really see anything that blew me away. Uh, you know, it was, the you know, Wizards and uh, Nets, so it wasn't really anything too exciting towards the end uh you know he got in there here and there uh kobe white i didn't really see enough where i was just like oh okay um you know that blew me away uh and when i saw kobe white you know they obviously had a lot of people out too uh daniel gaffer wasn't playing so they weren't out obviously at full force culver unfortunately um you know he was not playing anytime i watched him trying to think of any other Lottery picks here. Uh, Alexander, I don't think he played at all during Summer League. Uh, I don't know if that was also due to the weird trade rule as well. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think here. Hachimura. Um, let's see. Duh, 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 duh. Sorry, guys. I'm just trying to think of people off the lottery right now. Let's see. Um, yeah, Hachimura was the only really other one, unless you guys want to throw out some names. I'm just having a brain fart right now. Yeah, I mean, maybe any – was there any second-year guys? I mentioned uh, Lonnie Walker. I think Aaron Holiday is a little bit interesting. Um, Miles Bridges, Jacob Evans, anybody Anybody second-year or further than yeah. that even maybe? Yeah, my, I saw a little bit of Miles, and again, we talked about this earlier. That was like, is he too good for some really – yeah, probably, but again, you know, he probably needs a little bit, a little run because he's in the. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a nice way to call Charlotte. I guess uh, dumpster fire of a team. So I'm sure any any additional pause that he can get is only really a positive for his career. Uh, Lonnie Walker, you know, saw a little bit, bit of him on the Spurs, and you know, he looked fine. Um, as, as far as anybody else on San Antonio, it was I, I'm, I still find it strange that they decided to draft their own Luca this year. So I'm not sure how comfortable I am knowing there's going to be a Luca <laughs> against a Luca this year. So um, he was, you know, he was fine. I mean, as far as again second uh, kind of second tier player, second year players in the lottery. I mean, obviously Jaron Allen said really been playing really well uh Grayson Allen I've come to terms with I don't know if he needs to like not play NBA ever again but that guy's a punk man like um he definitely tried to kill Grant Williams a couple times and uh the fact that like you're you have this reputation in college like yeah you're still very young I don't I'm not really sure how old he is. I, you know, I mentioned, I, I guess he can't be older than 22, 23 right now without looking it up. But like, I don't know if somebody just needs to shake this kid and just be like, dude, stop it. Like, what are you doing getting thrown out of an NBA summer league game? Like disaster. Yeah, that, that's not a good sign at all. Um, I didn't see any of that stuff live. I've heard the backlash, but. Can you tell me exactly what what is he doing exactly that's that's uh, getting him thrown out? I mean, he's 
basically just being like chief like he's not he's not like nailing people in the nuts like he was at duke but he he's like just he's like uh going up and like he's trying to say he's going up for the ball like for example versus uh the celtics uh grant williams went up for a basket and then you can tell obviously when there's a an attempt to go out the at the ball and that somebody's head he clearly tried to like decapitate Williams, like as he's trying to go out for a basket. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? It's just like that demeanor is always like has carried him for some reason. And again, I don't know why because this guy has potential. I mean, he's got room. I mean, obviously, he didn't really have any playing time in Utah, and maybe there is a reason for it. But you know, fresh start, new opportunity. Let's get our head out of our ass and stop acting like a child. Super disappointing. Um, I will say that uh, you you mentioned we talked about Lonnie Walker a little bit. I will say that I got to catch a game of his uh, from home, of course, but I think that he looks amazing. Uh, I think he actually led the summer league in points per game. He looks so smooth. He looks like the next guy that the Spurs can bring out of kind of nowhere uh, and make into a semi-star. Uh, I don't know that he, you know, it may take having to wait until DeRozan is off the team or, or takes a smaller role, but I'm really excited about what I saw from Lonnie Walker. And then another guy that is a rookie this year, certainly not a lottery pick, but uh, actually an undrafted uh, rookie that I know that uh, I wanted to see on the Kings. I know that Bryant West, the draft guy from STR, wanted the Kings to grab as an undrafted uh, free agent, uh, as well as uh, Nathaniel Miller, both of the guys that were on our draft podcast. They wanted to see Terrence Davis picked up. Yes. And he ended up with Toronto, and he just feels like a guy that, I mean, you know, 18 points a game on a really nice shooting. He feels like the kind of guy that Toronto is going to take and mold into their next undrafted, you know, uh, amazing, like plus role player out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I caught a bit of him. Like you said, I, he looks really put together. I was surprised that he wasn't drafted. I know that we mentioned that a little bit when we were doing our uh, our draft live uh, live podcast, Brian. And yeah, I mean, like you said, I think he's an interesting guy. You mentioned kind of Toronto doing this, and I thought of Van Vliet. Obviously, was the last undrafted point guard to really fall into place and. There, there's some interesting guys, like uh, even from last year's summer league, uh, Duncan Robinson on Miami. I thought he was interesting. This year, uh, there's a little bit more shooting. New York brought out a crazy lineup of Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox. Um, yeah, I mean, so there were there were some fun guys. I managed to catch a little catch a little bit of Terrence Davis there. The other guy that actually matched matched Lonnie Walker point for point. He only played one game. But Jackson Frank, or excuse me, excuse me, the other way around, Frank Jackson, uh, looked really good in that one game with the Pelicans, and he's a guy that I've liked who's been on the outside looking in, uh, but I, I've actually liked him quite a bit. He's in, been in the league two years now, uh, just kind of floating at the bottom of the Pelicans depth chart, depth chart, but I actually believe in him to to make an impact and. If you guys want to throw at anyone else, uh, feel free. If not, we can we can go. Well, I actually got one more. What did you guys think of the Knicks? I know they they basically had their whole team there because everyone on their team is like, you know, been in the league only one or two years or no years. But I kind of liked what I saw from some guys: uh, Alonzo Trier, uh, Kevin Knox, Mitch Rob. Obviously, is going to be a beast. Did anyone anyone else like these guys, or am I am I crazy here? Uh, Robinson looked fine. Um, you know, Knox looked fine as well. Um, I, I know I already said, you know, uh, Barrett, he struggled mightily, but I mean, that's pretty much their team. So why not just try to at least get them some more playing time together? Cause you know, that's their entire team, exception of the five power for the five <laughs> power forwards that they signed in the off season. Yeah, I thought that they were interesting. I mean, I liked Knox's shooting a little bit more. Uh, even last summer league, he was one of those guys 
that I mentioned kind of like Lonnie Walker, where it's just you're more athletic than anybody in summer league, but that's not going to be the case in the NBA. Uh, but he showed off his shooting, which will definitely translate. I think I just realized that there's going to be a little bit of a weird um, spacing issue at, in New York sometimes. I mean, Mitchell Robinson, obviously, there's no spacing. That's rim running. RJ Barrett doesn't really have all too much spacing to him. He likes the ball in his hands. And I feel like Kevin Knox is kind of the same way. Um, but But they're intriguing. I mean, they probably were the one of the most talented summer league rosters. They were, I think the strong favorite to actually win summer league. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that as well. Uh, I figure we can, we can uh, wrap up by talking more about the Kings. Just, just take a look at this final roster. Unless there's anyone else that you guys want to throw out there. Any final standouts from summer league that other than the Kings players. There was a guy on the Rockets roster I liked. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys actually saw him. Chris Clemens. It's like a, a very athletic guy. This is a guy from Campbell University. So he got a little run with Houston. He's five foot nine, but man, this guy was able to like uh, throw down like alley alley oops with no problem. He was the clear focal point of the Rockets, like uh, you know, summer league offense. And I'd reached out to uh, Ben Dubois, who's like the host of Locked On Rockets podcast. You know, I, I shot him a tweet and I asked him, you know, what was his thoughts on Chris Clemens making the roster potentially. And he said, you know, he'll obviously get a invite to training camp for sure because he was obviously a clear standout on their uh, roster. Um, as far as anybody else that, that we didn't really talk about that was kind of like uh, stood out, uh, Bruce Brown from Detroit. I believe there was like one game he had a triple double. So I saw a little of Detroit, not a ton. Um, as far as anybody else, you know, we already talked about Jared Allen. Celtics, uh, let's see. On the Mavericks roster, obviously, I was impressed by Josh Reeves. He was the uh, unsigned product out of Penn State, who was very interesting. This guy actually had a very strong junior year with uh, Tony Carr, who's actually with the Pelicans now, but then struggled a little bit his senior season because he was provided a lot more responsibilities as far as like being an offensive leader, and that's not necessarily his role. He's more kind of like a 3 and D energy type guy who can, you know, read that he has a nose to find the ball. And if this guy gets in transition, he'll like annihilate the basket. So that's really fun. Um, as far as anybody else, I mean, uh, anybody else on Mavericks, Isaiah Roby, um, he, you know, he was okay. Uh, that was the other lone Mavericks draft pick I would say in this draft, but I think that'd be about it. Yeah, I think just piggyback off you a little bit. You mentioned that Detroit team with Bruce Brown. I thought they were actually one of the more entertaining teams to watch. Them, uh, Bruce Brown, Svima Kyluk, Kyrie Thomas was on that team. Um, and that wasn't even including Dumboya, who only played his first game yesterday. So I thought that team was interesting. But overall, I mean, it, you, we kind of mentioned it, I think, before we started recording. This was an opportunity for us and other people that are just into all the fine, tiny little aspects of the game. And a lot of these guys might not even see NBA minutes, but it overall, I mean, it was really entertaining. California and Vegas, it's not over yet, but I've had a good time uh, watching these summer league games. Yeah, and I was going to throw out Brendan real quick, just as far as just like the experience if for someone that's never been to summer league. It's, it's like really a reasonable, like kind of, I guess, vacation kind of situation if you're into basketball in general. Uh, you know, basically within like the ticket prices, there's basically two slots. You know, there's general admission and then you have like the reserve seating, which is basically the about three or four rows, like where, you know, behind the player's bench, so to speak. But very reasonable, like, you know, pricing is basically for general admission after taxes, it's around 40 bucks, but you can get pretty close. Like you could almost get, I would say 15 rows, like from at least like home court for sure, which is, you're not going to really see that on a day to day basis. And then uh, my last day, I was actually kind of like on the side of the, of the player's entrance where I saw like a lot of people coming in Um whether it be like Mark in uh, owners, even I saw Mark Cuban walk in, which was really cool. Uh, did see Marvin Bagley shout out to Kings people. So that was kind of cool. And I was like, Oh, there's bags. 
what's up? You know, we made eye contact. That was pretty much it. But <laughs> um, it's a very reasonable experience just because there's like so many hotels like by the Thomas and Mack Center, too, because I literally had a hotel that was about five minutes. Like it was a five minute Uber ride there every day. Uh, very cool. And if just to under, like explain Summer League a little bit more. Thomas and Mack Center has like basically two gymnasiums going on at the same time. So they have like multiple games going on one time. Obviously, the Thomas Mack like uh, gym, that's obviously the bigger location where I think they can hold like up to 17,000, I believe. But then they have the Cox Pavilion, which is like the smaller gym inside a gym. It's kind of like an exception with basketball, but like it's more of a, I guess, kind of like a high school basketball type of atmosphere as far as it just being bleachers. It's not as comfortable, but like, if you can plan your day accordingly and being able to like, you know, pay $42 and post up somewhere, like you can see some really fun games and uh, at least you can see players that at least are on a team. Like we've already kind of discussed, it's really kind of a cool experience. And then obviously now if you're t- watching summer league, those championship games, there's not many people there, but I mean, obviously those first couple of days, it's just like nuts with like people, just trying to hang out, whether it be media people. Uh, you know, I know this year they gave up over like a thousand media credentials alone. So that, if that wants to tell you anything about like how big summer league is getting, or maybe that just shows like everybody wanted to see Zion, but it's, I would say it's certainly a reasonable experience if you wanted to ever venture and go out. I mean, like I said, 40 bucks a ticket, uh, you find like a reasonable hotel. Like, so, you know, it's, it's fun. I would really highly recommend going and, Obviously, I'm going to start making this a kind of yearly type of uh, prospect. So hopefully, you guys will as well. Oh man! All kidding aside, I I think I'll be seeing you next year because this is this is something that I've wanted to do for a while, and it's something that I definitely definitely want to start planning. Um, you know, the the one downside to me is that I have this really weird aversion to heat. So when it's like 100 degrees, I start to lose my mind and Vegas can get like that. But at the same time, uh, it's not been much better than that here in Sacramento. So I might have to just uh, just make the make the trek next season. But uh, yeah, one one final uh, round on the Kings, I think, is worth doing here. And uh you know, we're not expecting you to be an expert on the Kings necessarily, but feel free to chip in, Brian. And I'll just go down a list here. There's a few guys that are worth discussing, I think, uh, maybe just in terms of making uh, the Stockton roster in the upcoming season. Some guys I'd like to see there. Samaje Kristen, uh, he, he looked really, really nice in the first game in Sacramento and then kind of fell off as that, week that early part of the week went on but picked it back up in las vegas looks like to me a guy that could play the point guard position for stockton i think that there's a lot of value in having uh basically you know a team full of young guys in stockton you need a solid point guard even if he's not going to be uh the rookie the up-and-coming 20 21 year old guy Samaje has a little bit more experience than that. He he played for OKC for a year and really struggled, and then he went overseas and picked up his game. And I think just having that guy that's been uh, through the paces could help basically set up shots for the other guys on that roster, help Wenyan Gabriel, Kyle Guy, uh, help them look good, help them learn, all that stuff. I like him, and as well as uh, Hollis Thompson is a guy that uh, – Nate Miller uh, had tweeted that he thinks could make the the team or at least the practice squad uh, for the the preseason for training camp and tree and pre excuse me preseason for the Kings over these next few months. What did you what did you see in these guys, Brendan? Um, personally, I mean the Hollis Thompson thing. I would prefer giving him a chance. I mean, he's had a good amount of NBA experience. Him compared to Swanigan, I feel like could have more of a uh, more of a role and get at least a chance of having an impact. I don't see Swanigan really necessarily doing that. I was pretty disappointed with him in summer league and Samaj Christian. I mean, he's one of my favorite like play style type of guys to watch. I thought that he was a really smart player. Like you mentioned, he's a distributor. He played good defense. You saw him picking up uh, close to a full court at times. 
And he doesn't necessarily have the greatest shot, but when he's able to get his feet set, if he's wide open, he can, he can hit it at times. So I think that, like you said, he'd be a nice point guard on the Stockton team. Uh, do I see him getting Sacramento minutes? No, uh, especially with having three point guards already. And however you feel about Kyle Guy, um, but he was entertaining. I thought that he was interesting. Uh, what did you think of a of Bryce Brown? He was one of the undrafted guys that we got. He had some nice defense to him as well, and some speed and athleticism that was nice too. I was let down by Bryce Brown. Um, he was a guy that was also one. He was one of the few undrafted rookies that. I think that the Kings Kings Twitter and Kings Universe uh, and our podcast had their eye on, and it felt like a win to get him on the summer league team. And I don't think he did much. I, I just he yeah. he's speedy. I think it's more those green shoes than anything. That <laughs> That's the first thing I think of. <laughs> yeah. So we noticed him because he's got these bright, uh, like lime sherbet shoes on. But I I didn't really like his game that much i mean he's he needs probably some more time to develop but uh just if you're not going to really make you know elevate yourself over that summer league talent you're probably not going to get a roster spot uh when it comes to the regular season so kind of let down there but then bj johnson is one other guy that you know he showed up he he didn't play at all in in sacramento to my memory, but he showed up later in the tournament and uh, I think he dropped like 25 points in, in his last game in Las Vegas. You know, I sadly missed that one, but like you said, I mean, I hadn't seen enough from BJ Johnson. So good for him. If he had that last game, I'm, I'm sure I'll be watching it a little bit here. I'm just a little behind, but um, I thought that he played well. And especially at the end of last year, I actually liked some of the minutes we got from him. I thought that he played both ends of the ball, had some intensity and has a nice stroke to him. So I, I thought he was a little disappointing, but if you're saying, I mean, 20 plus points in, in a game, that was, a, that was a nice showing for him. It definitely was. Uh, he's definitely a dead eye type of shooter. That's like his, that's the role he would play is pretty much just to come in and be an extra gun from deep. But, um, yeah, didn't didn't necessarily separate himself. But, again, he's on the Kings roster right now. He's under contract. It is a fully non-guaranteed contract, and there is no guaranteed date. He's probably a guy that you will see. BJ will stick around with the Kings, I would guess, through training camp and uh, probably through the preseason until uh, – you know, there's a decent chance, you know, I, I don't think he'll make the team necessarily, but there's a decent chance you see him as a part of this Kings squad right up until those last decisions are made because there's just no incentive to, to cut him right now. Yeah, exactly. And we still haven't seen, I saw you tweet out about this, um, but Holmes is still not technically made official. And that's because they're giving him one of those uh, exceptions, right? And they're just now getting to the point where they'd be able to use that. Right. The Tyler Lydon deal puts them in a position where their room is finally used up. They could continue to sign uh, veteran minimums. So, if you know, the hopes for Corey Brewer to return or another wing to, ret- to, to come to Sacramento are still alive. But it seems at this point, I think, you know, it'll take a couple days for the ink to dry uh, on that Lydon contract. But once that is done then all the the room under the cap will be gone for the Kings and they will be able to sign Rashawn Holmes. So you can expect that. I would I would assume you can expect that in the next couple of days because there's been no reason. It's not an issue of, you know, is he backing out or the Kings rethinking it. That's not at all what's going on here. Just to use the room mid-level exception, you need to use up all your room first. So now it appears that the Kings have done that. And Brian, I know we are going to dive into this more in depth a little later. We're going to have a series of going through all other 29 teams in the league and uh, as part of the offseason, breaking them down. But maybe the very last thing we can get from you just as a little teaser of that is we can all give our opinions on next year. Do you do you feel like the Mavericks are in this same tier of the Kings of fighting for the eight seed? I mean, you got you got Luca and Porzingis. It's a pretty nice upcoming young duo. 
I prepared myself for this question, and I don't know right now, Brendan, to be quite honest with you, um, just because I guess I'm not sure how often like you guys follow or how many people you guys follow through maps, Twitter, or fans, just in general. Uh, we'll obviously talk about this later, uh, you know, this summer, but uh, the Mavs fans are not very happy with the front office right now based on what the Mavericks did this offseason. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, certainly great that they have Luka and Porzingis. Um, you, know, you know, those are two great stars, very young. Uh, you know, Luka is rookie of the year, so he should obviously only get better. I think, obviously, you know, are they in that tier fighting for a playoff spot? For sure. But I think right now, if I had to put, like, money on it, I guess, I would say, you know, the Mavericks would be kind of like in that maybe 10, 11 spot right now. I, I still feel like they'll be better, but I just feel like the West is so stacked where, you know, they could win 40 games, but still, you know, be on the bottom of the West just because on how tough it is. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of the worry for Sacramento too. But I mean, what you're alluding to with being upset about the front office, it, that has to do with, I mean, the trade between our two teams, right? Sacramento and Dallas of you clearing up cap space by a Justin James, or I'm sorry, uh, Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph swap for Harrison Barnes, getting you a lot of money and then not being able to spend it anywhere. Right. And I'm not really sure what the plan was, um, because as we've learned throughout this offseason is just because somebody reports it doesn't mean it's actually true, because a lot of people reported the Mavericks were frontrunners for Horford and Kimba Walker. And obviously those were not false. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I cannot stress this enough. I'm not really sure like how the uh, Kings front office is as far as sharing news. If it's if a Mavs report is not coming from Mark Stein, Tim McMahon, or Brad or Brad Townsend, it's probably fake news because the Mavericks don't really release information to random people, and that's where a lot of these reports were coming from. So, you know, even live at the drop, Brendan, you know, Ramona Shelbourne got some news about that heat trade and none of like the big time Mavericks people are like within the no reported anything. So, um, you know, obviously they had goals and aspirations of trying to sign Danny Green. It didn't work out. Uh, and you know, <clears throat> unfortunately all the kinds all the contracts have been signed. So basically Dallas, I guess you could say pretty much wasted 13 to $15 million they could have used to kind of go over, I guess, the threshold as far as their payroll and cap, so to speak. But now that all players have been re-signed, uh, you know, that's pretty much a waste. So I think that's why right now the fan base is, you know, really disappointed. But again, I don't really know what the play was. I mean, if it was really just to rely on Danny Green, that was not a very smart decision because I could have told you he was not coming to Dallas. Uh, I would have rather tried to make a power play similar to the Kings, uh, you know, and throw 45 to 50 million to Pat Beverly to see if that did anything. But, you know, uh, free agency is not, uh, you know, you're either going to be a winner or a loser. I don't really think you can be in between and it's not, necessarily the best for team building i will give sacramento all the credit i think we i've talked to both of you as far as like what they've been able to do this offseason uh some people might be a little cynical as far as like the king's overpaying for people and i would say you know overpaying is one thing but it's more of a balancing of a roster where that way they can actually have people above the age of 21 that can actually purchase alcohol where they've got a little bit more wisdom playoff experience under the belt where they can kind of help groom these very young people like Fox and Bagley and Giles and Heald, you know? So I feel like there was a method to Sacramento's madness where Dallas did not have one. Yeah, it's tough. I have a, uh, uh, brother-in-law now after, uh, this last month, got a new brother-in-law and he lives in Dallas and yeah, he's not a happy camper. So, uh, definitely, Definitely can see, you know, he said that Cubans never really signed anybody good. So, uh, you know, that that's not exactly true, but fairly close to it, which is surprising for a big, you know, a fairly big market. But 
But yeah, I, I think that KP and uh, Luca are going to eventually attract a third star, whether that's next season, uh, next summer, or the following summer. But it feels like it'll happen. Yeah, and I think that we can kind of save some of this for the next time we talk. I know, like we said, we're going to dive into the Mavericks a little bit more. Um, where where can anybody listening find you, Brian? I know you got Blue Hardwood Podcast. What else you got? Yeah, uh, podcast on Twitter at Blue Hardwood. If you want to follow the show there, um, at Brian's Home. If you want to banter, talk about just Maverick nonsense or NBA general, feel free. Um, those who do subscribe to the podcast, any people that want to check out, um, definitely provide a rate and review. I'm trying to hit 50 reviews, uh, five star reviews before the season starts. So if anybody that listens to this, wants to check me out be sure to give me a five-star rating review that would be awesome and i really appreciate you guys having me thank you yeah appreciate you appreciate you coming on here and i mean we could say the same things for for our podcast real quick too uh leaving that rate and review does a lot for us so if you enjoy the podcast leave that five-star review um, and you know, say something quick and nice about us it helps us reach out to a couple more people here and there as well um I think that's going to do it, right, guys? You got anything, Rich? Yeah, just, uh, you know, thanks a lot, man. We we really appreciate you you coming on, dude, and we'll talk to you soon. And, and yeah, definitely uh, we'll reiterate that about the, the rating and reviews that, you know, it's it's dumb to say this, but those algorithms matter. So I listen to a ton of podcasts and, and always forget to review them, but I know that when I do, I'm actually making a legitimate – uh, impact for the people hosting it and and uh, if you don't if you don't mind just it takes about 30 seconds to do it so uh, go go give us five stars and go give Brian five stars as well yeah I'm with you there it does feel a little weird to ask for but uh it, it definitely helps us out so thank you to everybody for listening to this episode thanks to Brian for taking the time and you will hear from us again in a couple of days here <laughs>